Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2022. It is crazy to think we are at number 15 and just over two weeks left of these player-by-player profiles discussing who I think are the most relevant players. And man, there's still so much to come for you this preseason from the Coaches Panel. Took Miller is the player we're discussing today and joining me on this podcast, a regular part of the Coaches Panel. I've got Louis. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. And what an interesting player we're talking about today. Somebody who, I mean, if you told me 12 months ago that oh, man, be yeah. number 15 in the 50 most relevant, I would have told you you're crazy. I know. It, it, it is actually pretty phenomenal. When you do look at the season that he's had last year, his ability to do what he did, that jump is almost unheard of in terms of a guy that was draft relevant, a guy that was certainly daily fantasy relevant, but then to turn himself into arguably the most relevant midfielder in the game last year in terms of coming from the clouds, uh, it was absolutely phenomenal what this 25-year-old midfielder delivered. His highest score last year in all formats, well, sorry, his career highest scores. It was 160 against the Hawks in AFL fantasy and in Dream Team, while a 155 against the Carlton Footy Club over in Supercoach. In that format, he's priced at an average of 124.5, and he's going to set you back just under 680K in Supercoach. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 122.1. And in both of those formats, he clears the Million Club. He and Steele are the only two players to clear the Million Club in both of those formats. He was absolutely exceptional. And we've talked about it before, Louis. Longtime coaches panel fans might remember both myself and Kane have have certainly been on the tuk-tuk train previously before when he was that high 80s sort of averaging mid-forward. Even had Tuke on the podcast. He's a legitimately good human being. We love him as a person. But there was no data trend. There was nothing to kind of indicate the Uber breakout season. Like he averaged an adjusted 100 in Dream Team and Fantasy in 2020, a a 105 in Supercoach. So there is a jump of 15 points per game in Supercoach and 10 points per game in Dream Team and Fantasy. But I don't think you're right. I I do think you're right. I don't think anyone saw this elite level of 20, 22 points per game, average bump, career numbers everywhere. It was simply phenomenal what he did. And I think it all came down to his high work rate in and around the ground is what enabled so many of these things to happen for him oh we heard it all year mate and uh when you you only have to look at the stat lines to be able to tell you how hard this player is working i mean to average 32 disposals across just a single season of the afl is just tremendous i mean some of the some of the best players that we know players that have won brownlows in their brownlow winning seasons haven't averaged 32 disposals and Of course, that came with an equal kick to handball ratio, which of course translates to fantasy scoring. He was spreading from the contest. He's got 4.5 marks per game, 7.1 tackles, which is really where that that floor gets brought up and why he averaged uh, what he did in 2021. Uh, That was fourth in the competition total. So 
Uh, it, it's no surprise that Took was such a good scorer. The surprise yeah. does, like you said, come from that. He actually jumped up 22 points from the year previous, which which nobody saw. And that was built on just pure consistency, MJ. Yeah. 13 scores over 120. Yeah. 11 of those were over 130 in NFL fantasy. Beast. Just wow. absolutely insane stuff. And that's why he's here at number 15 in the 50 most relevant today, because um, I think Took Miller is going to have a bit of a statement on 2022 as well. Yeah, he's, he's such an interesting player, and we will talk about it soon, and I'm very keen on your take, which is the backing up a 120 season across the formats is so hard to do. And so statistically, the weight of data against him doing it is very, very high. But as you mentioned through some of the these ways he goes about building his score, like these are just on per-game averages that third in the competition, so fourth overall, but third per game, that shows you that defensive work rate. Fifth per game in disposals across the league. So that's the ability to get the ball. Fifth for effective disposals, meaning when he gets it, he doesn't waste it. Sixth for uncontested possessions. Now, boys and girls, it's how do you get uncontested possessions? You get into space. How do you get into space? Two Two ways. One, you are a terrible footballer that nobody thinks are worth keeping accountable. Or number two, which that is not the case for Took, high-end work rate. And that is what got him there. 18th for contested possession. So he's not waiting to seagull on the outside. He's getting it done on the inside. And that is why, mate, as you so brilliantly put, he's a beast across the format. 17 dream team and fantasy tons. 13, as you mentioned, over 120. Six, a huge six over 140 and in round one last year was his only bad score of the year in dream team and fantasy that was under 80 and that was a 68 and he had a 10 consecutive ton run between round 11 and 21 that includes the multi-buy obviously off the back of that averaged 133 which is just insane over in Supercoach, the story is very very similar um he was so good there too 122.1 for his average over in Dream Team, which we mentioned. And before I do get to Supercoach, first for average in this format of Dream Team and Fantasy. Third for points. He's just 105 points away from Jack Steele. And the only reason he didn't get there is he was one game down from Jack Steele. He plays that game, ladies and gentlemen. He is the number one points and average player in that format. Supercoach, let's jump there for a sec. 18 tons from 21 matches, 13 over 120, 10 over 130, 7 over 140, and 16 consecutive tons to wrap up the year. Sixth for total points, third for averages, and only Jack Steele or Jackson McRae outperformed him in terms of averages. And by the way, let's look at the splits because people look at that 122, 124 that he's priced at and go, there is no growth. Well, it's pretty hard to get growth, but post-buy in Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 126. While in Supercoach post-buy in the final 11 games, he averaged 130. And Louis, what I, I like about him too, outside of he's a clear beast and points per minute and does everything, is his consistency of 130-plus scores across the formats mean that even though he might not have the monster 160, 170, 180 or 200 club that some of these premium midfielders we are considering do have, his conversion of hundreds to 130 plus 
is some of the most elite I've ever seen, let alone against the current crop of premium mids. Oh, he's a perfect example of a captain option. I mean, a guy that you can lock in every single week, at least 11 of the 22 weeks anyway, and 13 yeah. of the 22 for uh, for 120 plus. He is the guy to put the C on or the VC on. So yeah. uh, a guy like that, I mean, that that's priceless. And yeah, in true. 2022, that's what we're going to be talking about as well, because it's quite rare that we see a guy who starts the season really well, yeah. finish the season in the second half, going higher again. That's true. And it just makes you question, well, what happens in 2022? And when you look over that midfield mix in the Suns, MJ, mm. uh, you start to question, well, geez, this is a guy who maybe I think can actually do it again. And that's a scary thought to ponder, to back up a 120 across the formats. We are talking the Gary Ablett, the Tom Rockliffe, the Dane Swan. For super coaches, it's Scott Pendlebury. We are talking rarefied air. Jackson McRae just feels like the given to be around that territory now every single year. Tom Mitchell, if you want. We could keep going on with the guys that do it. But the back-to-back years of it is rare. I think that's an interesting point. There are two schools of thought on Tuke, and I'm keen where you think is the narrative that has the most weight one it's actually quite a thin unexposed gold coast midfield like after miller after swallow after raul anderson it does fall away a little bit now there are talented kids but the experience and the players that demand possession of the ball does drop away the player that's got the same amount of defensive and work rate ethic as him is nobody in that team. And so the narrative can feel like it skews itself to they need him to be the everywhere man, tackling deep inside 50, applying pressure and winning the ball through the midfield and doing much of the same into the forward half. So there is that narrative where they look at what's there and go, talented kids, but they need another year. And therefore, Miller holding what he's done is a possibility. The other way people choose to look at the glass is they cannot exist with that year again. They won't get better if Miller is the everywhere man. They need Rao. They need Anderson. They need Flanders. They need these guys to evolve. They need Elijah Hollands to pick up some slack. They need the ballads of the world down deep. They need the Buderics to return from injury. They need these defensive stocks to sharpen up a little bit more. Gold Coast didn't win many games with this high possession game style. So they need to readjust. That's the world that people start to look at too can go. Backing up a 120 is tough. It can't just be him. And therefore, I go against. I suppose both are valid, Louis, but probably only one of them is going to be true for us by the end of this season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the second scenario, the, there's nothing to prove that that's going to happen yet. That's true. The fact is, footy just hasn't started. So all we can do is go off of last year. And I think you nailed it with that depth, MJ. You've got, obviously, Took Miller, it, uh, Took Miller, it then falls down to young blokes with Matt Rao, Noah Anderson. Um, I know you mentioned David Swallow. He's probably just going over the clip a little bit. I think he's going to reduce in I minutes. I know Fiorini's there, but oh, I just don't Is have he first 22, though? I don't, I don't have Fiorini's, but in a, in a dream world for Gold Coast, 
he is not best 22. That's it. He's a great fantasy score. We've seen it countless times before in players. Sometimes you can accumulate the football just fine, but perhaps you're not best 22. And then it falls away like really yeah. sharply. MJ. So we're yeah. talking now Jeremy Sharp, Sam Flanders, Alex Davies, uh, Elijah Hollands, who we haven't even seen. No. Charlie Constable, who does he does he fit into does the best 22? Play? Yeah. Who knows? Um, and then conversely, you go, okay, well, who have they lost in that midfield? They've lost Will Brody, who, yeah. okay, maybe Handy wasn't depth, first 22. Yeah, sure. yeah. But then they've lost Hugh Greenwood. And he yeah, was the, the number one. one tackling player in the league last year. That oh, is a massive that. hole in that midfield. So depending on which way you read that, maybe that increases his points because there's more football to go around. There's more tackles to be had. Yeah. Or maybe it regresses a little bit in that Took was benefiting from Greenwood doing that heavy lifting and tackling. You know, that being said, he was still averaging <laughs> 7.1 tackles per yeah. game, fourth in the comp. So uh, depending on which way you read it, yes, you could make a case either way. But just looking over these stats and, and doing my research for this mm. podcast, MJ, it becomes more and more difficult to build a case to say that, well, Took Miller's, Took Miller's going to seriously regress here. Yeah, and, and, and that's the key, isn't it? When we talk about a regression in a player, sometimes you go, oh, they're irrelevant then. We're talking, if a regression comes, we're talking minimum 115, 110 is as far as I can see him falling away. Um, do you see much more regression than a 110 in, a, in things not falling his way? No, I think he'll be a top eight midfielder. Yeah. Uh, what did he average? 122, MJ, was it? Yeah, for the year 122 yep. in Dream Team and Fantasy, 124 in Supercoach. So, look, I could see him maybe regressing to to 116. Yeah, 5 uh, to 10 at, at a minimum is, a, is where uh, it could be, yeah. To be honest, but, you know, time will tell. But for me, I think he's a bona fide top eight midfielder, especially if his role and his just output from a football sense continues this way. I mean, I think he even made a little bit of a dent in the Brownlow, which has been... Uh, rarefied air for for Gold Coast players in years past. So I think uh, they'll continue with that sort of play style, at least yep. for the time being. But I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, MJ. I know you, you mentioned how Took actually gets his ball. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing is when we're looking at a player about how they build their scoring, where is the area that they can grow or get stunted. But because he does so much of everything, and this is something Kane and I talked about in the preseason with our top 50 keeper ranks and the tierings that we did through there, is if you can win 20, 25 plus possessions, and then your marks, tackles, goals can all kind of add up to 10 plus, that's when you're going to be that one 10 plus midfielder. So for him to do that with 30 possessions and be closer to sort of 12 to 13 across his marks and tackles, let alone his goals, which is almost one every two games. It's very hard to see a drastic capitulation. I don't see that. But if I was putting, where do I think things go? Regression, albeit gradual, is much more likely than the retention or growth of where he's at. Both are possible. But one has to be more probable. And I'd go with the, I think a lot fell his way last year. Greenwood out is a big gap. Rao, a fit Rao coming back is important. What is the development around it? So for me, I go 
I feel like I'm, I'm more likely not going to get burnt by choosing to go against him early and going for something safer like a McRae. Now, again, there's about 15% ownership on Tukin Supercoach and just under 10% in AFL Fantasy. Dream Team's not open just yet at time of recording. I look at those two things and go, I'm going to take him on, but I'm going to want to get him quick because at that price point, even if he does a 120 to start the year, he will regress a little bit due to the magic number and the way the averages roll through. But if he does average 115, 120 over the first six weeks, he won't drop that far away, Louis. And by the end of the year, man, these big dogs that are so expensive, unless they have a poor start, good luck chasing them because the buy low, sell high component of fantasy completely goes out the window at that point. That's it. And history does suggest uh, in 2021 that he is going to be a guy who consistently does that 120, 130. So uh, as a starting uh, pick, yes, okay, it might be um, something that you steer away from. And to be honest, with his ownership, I don't think he's going to be someone that hurts you too much. So one in 10 coaches is starting him. But then you have to go, okay, well, how many of those coaches are competitive? year on year i mean i'm sure there's a plethora of coaches out there that went oh cool average 122 last year he's the top player in the competition i'll just pick him i'll just put him in my team set and forget see you later yeah we're talking an even smaller percentage now so i think because of that uh it's not such a concern he's someone that you can upgrade to and be Mm. extremely confident in sort of scoring those 120 plus scores yeah. provided that you do see that early on in the season, of course. Yeah, I think in AFL fantasy, I, I struggle to see a world in that format where you justify starting him because the, the room for growth is almost non-existent. He would need to go nearly a 130 to hold that price point. I, I really struggle to see that over the first four weeks for him, knowing that they've got the weekly price cycle and that I look at guys that are in that 105 range and go, man, there's some guys 105 to 95 range even that could go the 125 over four weeks. Like tell me a dry Simpkin couldn't match him for four weeks to tell me an Andrew Brayshaw couldn't match him for four weeks. Uh, uh, Matt Crouch, who we spoke about yesterday, even Your just man four Kelly. weeks. Yeah. Josh, well, I couldn't. All right, fine. Yes. Josh Kelly. Um, <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying him so that it wasn't confirmation bias, but that in that format for me, I just can't see it. At least we're dream team and super coach where you go, I've got him. I don't have to worry about chasing him. And he's going to be around the mark. I'm overpaying, but once I've got him, I own him and the price doesn't matter. So in those formats, I get it a little more, but in AFL fantasy where every dollar matters and probably barring one or two selections, every player you have, you're needing to get cash increases out of. I just can't value him as a starting squad. But the other formats... I at least see why you're keen on him. Um, for me, he's an upgrade though, because um, I do think he slides back anywhere between five to 10 points per game, which to your point, still makes him a top eight midfielder safely. But if I can take a hundred K off what I got to pay for him to get, I'll, I'll happily do that. It's then the game is, can you capitalize him on his cheapest price? And that's, the name of the game. So Louis, then what do we do with him with drafts? 
because the first five or six picks of a draft in any year sometimes feel quite predictable. Whereas this year, I feel like you could almost justify about five or six different guys at that first pick. Where do you think he lands in that first round? Oh, look, he, he's fully deserved of obviously a first round pick, but we've seen the depth that we've got up forward um, in defense to a lesser extent. And then obviously we've got the two rucks and maybe you could extend that out to three if somebody's very bullish. But uh, once you start looking at it, you go, well, hang on. Um, I might be able to get to Camilla late in the first round because, oh, and we've crazy. spoken yeah. about this before, MJ, somehow he's just one of those guys. Jared Lyons is one. Yeah, good contrast. Just, he's not a sexy pick. No. You know, you look at your Jackson McRae's, uh, you look at your, your Clayton Oliver's or Tom Mitchell, yeah. but I'm sort of more talking the guys that are a little bit a rung below, but you're more confident in, in using. So I think a Clayton Oliver probably uh, is the best example of that. He's someone name value. I'll take that. You might even see it, someone who's bullish on Sam Walsh go a little bit earlier. Yeah, so that's true. I, I can see him sliding late into the first round if you're in, a, uh, if you're in a draft like that and you'll be a very, very happy coach. If someone said to me, I'm at pick seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there of a 10 team league and Took just happens to glide to me, who again is the highest averaging player in dream team and fantasy last year. Oh man, you're feeling like you've won the draft already because by the numbers, he should be gone in those first couple of picks without question. But you're right. That is absolutely a world that could exist. Hey, Louie, appreciate your work on this episode, buddy. No, thanks, mate. Love to do it. Uh, if you want to go and read the article on Tuke or any of the other players we've revealed so far, the good news for you is you can go and check them out at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, the links to join our Patreon supporter group where you're getting a heap of exclusive access to some cash leagues, some extra podcasts, some early team reveals, and a bunch of other content. All the links to join that Patreon supporter group for just a couple of bucks a month is all it takes at coachespanel.tv. Wow. Tomorrow, the second last of the teens of the 50 most relevant. Number 14. There was a world for a long period of time. He was one of the safest 100-plus players over the better part of his entire AFL career. But a lot's changed with this person over the past 18 months. Maybe it's positions. Maybe it's clubs. Maybe it's roles. Maybe it's all or none of them. But the reality is there's a lot more doubt about him in 2022 than there's certainly been almost ever since he debuted for us as a fantasy jet. Who is he? And can he reclaim his glory days once again? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.